Thank you for that. And I want to kind of piggyback on that as, as we begin here our, our worship through the Word, through the story of the Word. Um, that the, the story of the Bible, we just get it right there in the beginning. Um, it's something I'm going to mention later on, but I just want to um, say it up front. We are all waiting for that someone. Since the beginning, after God created everything and, and put man in the garden, man and women in the garden, and then they decide to make their own decisions, He promises that one will come and crush the head of the serpent. But by being struck by it. And that's the paradox. That's the paradox. But we are, we have, we were waiting and he, he has come. So that's the story we're going to read today. Uh, the road to Emmaus is, is about Jesus defeating that serpent after the resurrection. So let's, before we, we jump into the story, I want to I wanna begin a little bit of an, uh, with an example because we sometimes have these expectations of uh, how this victor, how, how this person is going to defeat evil. Because we, we hear it back in Genesis, you know, he's going to come and stump out of the serpent. But by being struck by it, what does that mean? How, how, how is that going to work? So, as I mentioned before, it's a paradox. And I'm going to give you an example of what happens when we got expectations mixed. Um, I really have enjoyed to watch the Star Wars movies. And I like many of my examples from, from there. So we all recognize this person. Uh, for the ones you don't, it's as Luke Skywalker, son of Anakin. And he's supposed to bring balance to the force and so on, right? And he's being trained uh, by Obi-Wan. And this is his master who, de- who died, who was killed, whatever. So he goes to this other place. And he's supposed to find a Jedi, powerful Jedi master, who is the one in the following picture. Um, it's a little green creature. He is powerful. He is the Jedi Master, right? We all know that. We've watched the movies and we've seen um, all these Star Wars universe. We know that he is the one who actually head of the council and, and, and who has trained so many other Jedis. But when Luke have, hasn't met him, Luke, Luke has no idea who he is. He's just told, go to this place to this other planet, and you'll find a Jedi Master who will continue the training, because Obi-Wan, you know, he died in the uh, New Hope movie, whatever. <laughs> the point is, the, yeah, oops, you know, he actually becomes stronger, that's what he says. Um, become more stronger than you could ever imagine, says to the bad guy in black. So he finally goes to, to Dagobah, that's the planet he goes to, I'm not expecting you to remember the names, it doesn't matter. He finally meets the um, the Jedi Masters. I w- want to play that clip because Luke has his expectations and let's see what happens. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> right. Help you again? Yes. Mm. I don't think so. I'm looking for a great warrior. <laughs> move along, little fellow. We got a lot of work to do. No, no, no. Stay and help you, I will. <laughs> I do win. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. 
Jedi Master Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Mm. Take it to him, I will. <laughs> yes, yes, but now we must eat. Come. <laughs> Good food. <laughs> you can clearly see he's puzzled. He has no idea who is he talking to. However, the, the master is very wise and he won't impose in Luke his, who he really is. He's just going to let him discover who he is, right? Luke has no idea. He has no idea. And this is this example, I bring it up because he's seen, Luke is seeing what he's expecting to see. He sees a silly green creature, he assumes he's a silly green creature. His sight, though, his eyesight, is working perfectly. But his expectations of what a great Jedi Master should look like are not allowing him to see the actual Jedi Master. He can't see it. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we see, but we can't see. That's what's happening there. And you see his confusion. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know if he should follow him. Anyway, he's blinded, but he can see. Hmm. This story in the road of Emmaus, it's about this. It's about our expectations, about how some things we see, but we're not really seeing. We're not really observing. So before we read the story, I just want to remind you that this story takes place after the resurrection, but between Jesus going to Galilee. In Matthew 28, we read that after they have, the women have gone to the tomb, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. I mean, he just came back from the dead. Of course they will be afraid, right? But do not be afraid. That's a comfort, comfort in them. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Passover just happened. He's been crucified. He's resurrected. So it is between resurrection and going to Galilee that this story, the road to Emmaus, takes place. So let, let me pray quick before we, we jump into reading the story. Heavenly Father, thank you because you have given us Jesus. And he, we can read his story. We can read what he does. And we can, be, we can know him. We can get to see who he really is. In what you have given us through, through scripture, Father. May you open our hearts and minds and our eyes and see Jesus for who really is. And leave our expectations at the door and encounter him. The same way these disciples encounter him in the road to Emmaus. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's jump here to Luke 24, 13 through 21. I'm going to break it into a few parts. So this is the first one, so we'll read um, read the text. So that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Remember, he's just, he just been crucified, Passover, all of these things. It's hard to not know what had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes 
were kept from recognizing him. Similar to Luke with Yoda. And he said to them, so Jesus tells them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they were walking and they, and they stopped. They stood still and they looked sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says to them, What things? You know, it's, it's, it is you who happened, right? But he's, he's trying to drag more information out of them. He's like, it's Jesus who happened. He knows, of course he knows what happened. He is what happened. Um, and he asked them, like, what, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he has the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. These two disciples, they do not recognize Jesus. Why? And later on in the story, we hear that they, they keep telling the story that some women find him alive. It's all this confusing because people, that people don't come back to life. And, but they found him alive and talking to him. But they can't see him. But we do get a couple hints here of why they can't see Jesus. Luke is telling us what they were hoping for. They were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Hmm. What does that mean? These are followers of Jesus who have seen him before, but they can't see him. They can't recognize him. We can't be followers of Jesus and not see him. That's, that's what this is telling us. But that phrase, the one to redeem Israel, he was supposed to do that. But being delivered... Um, being delivered up, you know, redeeming Israel, but, but actually going, being condemned to death and crucified, that does not look like redemption at all, at least from their perspective. So what do we understand? So what do they understand by redemption? So let's try to put ourselves in their shoes, you know. Let's, not, let's sympathize with them because they are living in a situation in any reality. So it's very harsh not only them, not they have only grown up living like this, but their parents, and their grandparents, and possibly even back many years, they are living under the Roman Empire. And even though the, the Roman Empire were, were declaring, you know, there's the Roman peace, it usually came violently. It, that meant that if you do not behave, it's not we're going to go through a process of counseling and so on and bring you down to where you're supposed to be. It's just like, it's just going to kill you. We're just going to crucify you if you do not obey or if you do not do what we want or what we say. Or if you don't pay your taxes, if you don't worship our gods, if you don't do all these things. We're just going to make you do it. We're going to do it violently. That's where, that's where they were living. That's when they are living. They're in bondage. They're slaves. They're in constant abuse. Not only individually, but collectively as a people. 
they were suffering and dying. Like another story that we found in the Bible. Like when they were back in Egypt. They were expecting God to free them from the oppressive kingdom. Just like they did with Egypt. Just like God did with Egypt. They were expecting God to hear their cry. Just like before. And it's, it has its place, you know. It's, it, it, is, it is not unrealistic to be thinking that if that's something that you have seen happen before, that you have grown up listening to these stories. However, they have taken it to an extent. And we're going to see that in a bit. And it's even more interesting that them, they are talking about these things. Why? Because they just celebrated Passover. It's the Sunday after Passover. What do you celebrate Passover? That they were freed from Egypt. That they were, that Pharaoh was dealt with. And the evil, bad empire was put in its place. God defeated them. These were redeemed. Actually, that's the first time in this context that we get that word. In Exodus 6, 5 through 7, we read, The Lord talking, um, telling Moses, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Who has brought you out. From under the burdens of the Egyptians. So they were expecting. They, let, let's overlap the stories right. Who are the, In the story of Exodus. Who are the oppressors? The Egyptians. Holding them as slaves. Who is the big bad king? Pharaoh. In Jesus' time, who is the evil bad empire? The Romans. Who's the big bad guy? Caesar Augustus. That's the, and who has a puppet in Jerusalem, in uh, Pontius Pilate. So you see, they're like, oh, this is happening. We're in the same situation as they were before. Let us pray. Let us do these things. Let us come crashing down with acts of judgment. So we are set free. But there's more. There's a second story. I think this is very fun. Um, and Luke opens this story telling us where they're heading to. They're heading to Emmaus. Now, why is that relevant? This is the only time in the Bible that we hear about this village. There's no other place that we hear about Emmaus. And when the biblical authors give us like little details like this, they don't give us many details at all. Like, do we know how, what Jesus looked like? No one knows. We would like to know. We just don't. But when they give us these little details, it's for a reason. And this is what another story is in play over here. So the whole point is to mention in this place where they're heading to is to trigger a memory for the Israelites. I mean, we, 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 it happens with us all the time. If I tell you that I'm going to um, Normandy, what comes to your head? Comes to your mind. It's D-Day. Pearl Harbor. You know, and, and many other things. 
you would know. Because that's, that's part of our story. It's part of our history. So when they mention Emmaus, Luke is trying to is doing the exact same thing, but it doesn't happen in quite the same way because we're not first century Jews. We didn't live in that time, so we just don't know the story. So we need to do a little, a little, little dig in there. What had happened is a battle called the Battle of Emmaus. So in this battle, there's a guy. Uh, so there's the Maccabean revolt. There's this guy, Judas Maccabeus, who's leading the rebels and taking an expedition against the Seleucid Empire. So we got... Big bad uh, empire during Moses' time, Egyptians, during Jesus, the Romans. And before Jesus, 100-something years before, the big bad guys were the Persians. It's just like another faction of the, the Persian Empire. Or Greek Empire. The Greek, you're right, Greek. And this guy, Gorgias, is going to attack um, the, the Jews. They have... Like 5,000 infantry and 1,000 people on horses. And they're just going to decimate them. So Judas, what he does is that he takes 3,000 soldiers. Untrained. They're not warriors at all. But he trains them. I mean, he takes them during the night. And he's going to attack. A surprise attack. So being outnumbered, he decides to do this. And before going to attack, he gives a small speech. He tells them, At daybreak, Judas... Well, we'll read a little bit of this and we'll, we'll get to where he's talking. At daybreak, Judas appeared in the plain with 3,000 men. But they did not have armor and swords such as they desired. And this is the camp of the Gentiles, strong and fortified with cavalry all around it. And these men were trained in war. So you don't have the best odds. <sighs> Same. But Judah said to those who were with him, Do not fear their numbers or be afraid when they charge. Remember how our ancestors were saved at the Red Sea when Pharaoh with his forces pursued them. And now let us cry to heaven to see whether he will favor us and remember his covenant with our ancestors and crush this army before us today. Then all the Gentiles will know that there is one who redeems Israel. Redeems and saves Israel. The fact of mentioning this story, this little town Emmaus, Luke is trying to bring to memory this battle. Because what happened, that was the turning point in their rebellion for the, for the Jews. They defeated the emperor, they came, they had other battles and they defeated them all, but that was the first time and things turned around. And then the, the temple was rededicated. And they could do their... They, things were normalized for a time. The, there's a, a dynasty, a Jewish dynasty set back in place. They defeated the enemies. They defeated the backbeat empire. They did that. So these disciples, not only these two on the road to Emmaus, but everyone has heard these stories. Oh, the Exodus stories. Yes, we were redeemed. Oh yes, Judas Maccabees, he redeemed Israel. So they have grown up listening to this. And then you're under Roman, under the Roman Empire and you start listening to a guy who says, Hey, you know, the kingdom of God is coming. And you will soon be established. And you've lived all your life under this oppression. 
So where are your hopes and expectations going to go? We're going to be free. We're going to be set back right. We're going to put these bad people, these gentle enemies that we have, back in their place. Finally, the one has come, the one that was promised way back, has come that will defeat this bad kingdom, evil kingdom oppressing us. For them, that's what redeeming a people looks like. But then we encounter Jesus, right? We actually do encounter him. And he starts messing with our heads. Messing with our heads. Because for Jesus, redemption looks very different. It doesn't mean that he didn't believe in the story of Exodus. It was part of who he was. He was celebrating Passover and he did it probably all his life. But he was adamant that a second exodus was going to happen. But it didn't involve Jesus killing anyone. So how is that going to happen? And not only that, but he starts saying things like this. Like earlier in the Gospel of Luke, we find in the teaching, teaching the, the sermon on the plane... But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. What? The Romans? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you. Do so to them. If you love those who love you. What benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you. What benefit is that? Oh sorry I read the same thing. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive. What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. How does redemption look like here? Jesus did come to redeem. That was his plan all along. But he was seen further back or behind the curtains. He did not only come to redeem Israel, but everyone. Because all of us and all of them, each human being in the planet needs redemption we are we all or we are all infected with sin our heart is has given into the snake from genesis there is no they or them our enemies or us we're better than you we're better than them it is not God, God being only on our side. 
He's on our side when we stand up for what He stands up for. He's not only on our side and against the Romans or against the people who think different than I am. He's not going to come defeating them violently. He's not going to do that. All humanity, all of us, that we need redemption. The line between good and evil is not between us and them. But through each one of us. It's in us. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? What does he do? He gives them a Bible study. He retells the story of the Bible. In verse 25, he starts telling them, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he gives them a memory, you know, a trip back through memory lane, right? He goes all the way back. And so we, I mentioned at the beginning in Genesis, waiting, they were waiting for the one who was going to come and defeat the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The way to defeat evil, it is not through violence. And Jesus knew that. What he does is that he takes up even upon himself. And it lets it use its only real weapon. Evil's weapon is death. And if, if there was no resurrection... It worked on Friday, on Good Friday. He died, was crucified violently and brutally. But death couldn't hold him. How could you hold the author of life? But he does know that redemption doesn't happen by exercising violence and self-defense. Harshly but truly, it is by loving his enemies. And giving his life for them. Nonetheless, after, you know, we would, I would have loved to be a fly around them listening to this Bible study, right? But even then, they cannot recognize Jesus. Their expectations of who he should be, of what, who, what he has supposed, was supposed to do, was blinding them. And they, they couldn't see him for who he was. So what happens? They, they drew near to the village to which they were going, Emmaus. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged, him, say, they urged him strongly saying, Hey, you know, stay with us. For it is late, it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to go and stay with them. When he has, was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they say to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Which is interesting that, you know, he's going further out. They invite him to stay in, to come in. And, and suddenly he's like, I know you guys are hosting me, but let me take the bread. He takes the bread. He blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. We just, that just happened in, in the narrative just a couple of chapters ago. We read that he broke the bread. He gave it to his, to his disciples as a symbol of what? Of redemption. The new Passover. It's interesting also that it is when they are seeing Jesus doing this again, is that when there is that is that is that exact moment where their eyes are open. When we remember Jesus, especially during the breaking of the bread, is when we see him because what does the bread represent? It's the body. And the and the I know the wine or is not mentioned represents his blood, and it is given for us. That's when we see Jesus when he, in his ultimate act of surrendering himself to the Father, to evil, to to completely destroy that, to set us free. That's when we see when he gives himself out for us. That's when we see Jesus. That's when they saw Jesus. That is the moment in which we encounter Him. That's where the moment when they encounter Him and they were able to see Him. And this is the thing: we don't. We're not supposed only to see Him. We see Him for a reason. You can only follow someone you can see. can follow a path that has been, you know, um, carved or whatever by someone who has gone through there. But we need to be, we need to be able to see someone to know where he has been. And this is the invitation. Now, Luke is given in this story for one specific reason. That we are not very different from these disciples. We all have expectations. And yes, we can, it is possible to be a disciple of Jesus or to claim to be his disciple and not see him. We, we are in the same boat as them. So what do we do? How do we keep our eyes open? Not let these expectations blind us. What are, what are we expecting from Jesus? Are we expecting to to fix my problems, the ones that I drag myself into? He can. He can give us the power to defi- de- overcome them, but not by waving a magic wand and just suddenly making them disappear. Are we? Is he? Supposed to adjust to my agenda? Who is Jesus? What does redemption look like for us? Giving us what we want? Giving us 
what we want so we don't have to work for it. Following takes work. And it takes a decision. Not once, but every single day. Every single action, every single interaction with those around us who may be our friends, our acquaintances, people we don't like. And that's the thing, guys. When we see Jesus, how he gave himself for us, and we start following him, we not only encounter him, but we are inviting others to encounter him. Because we are following in his steps. The mission of the disciples, the mission of the church, is to go and show who Jesus is. But the only way to do that is when our expectations are surrendered to him and we understand who he really is. And there's moments and spaces for this. A gathering, a Bible study, reading scripture, praying, there are places in which we can together and collectively encounter Jesus. It is not simple. It is not easy. It wasn't for Jesus either. He did the hard part. We were praying earlier today. Jesus did the hardest part of all. He defeated death. We are, we are fighting against a defeated enemy. There's no more power. Yes, we, we will die, but we die in the hope of resurrection. As we put our expectations aside of who we would like Jesus to be, let us remember that He overcame and He did everything that He did, not with violence, not with love for power, but with the power of love. And that's the power that we have been given. So as we close down here, we close the, the sermon, the teaching. Let us go forward in the hope of resurrection. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Not to build an image of Jesus that we would like. But that we may see Jesus for who he really is. That he gave himself for humanity. That he gave himself for us. And we encounter him. And we go and do same let us pray heavenly father you fully gave yourself for us you gave yourself not only to redeem us but to carry our brokenness and sin nailing it to the cross you defeated death so that now we are fighting a defeated enemy and in, in that journey that we have started, we will have our own expectations of who you should be, what you should do, how you should fix me and my problems. Father, but we want to reset ourselves every time we come to Scripture, every time we gather as a body, every time we pray to be as a reset button, Father, and see you as who you really are. In the symbols that you have given us. That's when we see. When we remember that you gave your life. To redeem us. To defeat. Not the big bad empire. The big bad king. But the force of evil that was holding us back. It is done. It is finished.
we have been redeemed. Let us walk in what redemption looks like. In your name we pray. Amen.